Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course, my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted to sample the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to heal and get better in all areas of life. And I want to do it with you. Welcome to Heal Squad by Maria Menounos, where we improve and heal all parts of our lives, most importantly, our health. Heal Squad by Maria Menounos, your life improvement series starts now. Hello, hello, Heal Squad. Welcome back. Hope you guys are doing great wherever you are in this beautiful world. We're going to start with our quote of the day, and it's from our guest today. My greatest triumphs come because I am willing to fail greatly. And that is from Chris Carr, my friends. Oh my gosh, you guys are going to love this episode. It's going to give you so much inspiration. This woman's living with over 20 tumors, stage four cancer for 20 years. She has figured it out. And she's going to share all the secrets today right here. Uh, if you haven't already done so, help us out by giving us a review. We'll put a link to the uh, the review spot in the summary of this episode, let us know how this show is helping you, what you love about it. It really helps motivate us to keep on going. Uh, MariaMenunos.com. We are switching up our website, friends. So my website's going to be just my website now. And then Heal Squad, it's going to be its own thing. And I just want to want to tell you guys about this because I really want it to be a resource for you. We realize we have so many episodes. It takes so long. You get to scroll through thousands of episodes to get to something you want to hear. Maybe that's specific to something you're dealing with health-wise or life-wise right now. So we're going to break it all up on HealSquad.com. Priscilla and the team at Forward Female are working really, really hard on it right now. And that is on its way. Of course, you guys know Macy's is a big supporter of the show, and we're so grateful to them. So if you want to check out my picks, my curated picks, macy's.com forward slash heel squad. I have chosen some amazing things for your home, for your baby, things that we're using with Athena, and so much more there. Fashion, of course, as well. So take a peek. And um, anything you buy from that link supports us and this show, even if it isn't one of my picks. I won't be offended. Thank you so much for helping us. And uh, and then I think lastly, I want to mention, of course, Rosetta Stone. They are another supporter of this show, and they have been helping me improve my Greek. My dad has been impressed with uh, some of the bigger words that I've been learning as I've been doing the Rosetta Stone to just kind of 
first of all, when you're not using it all the time, you got to get the the tongue rolling. But also there are kind of bigger words that I don't know, or um, I'm not used to using. So it's it's really just helping me because we want to spend more time in Greece. And I want Athena to um, to really be connected to uh, the motherland. And so I have to be really good at it to also be speaking it to her. So it's not just the basic Greek. I want her to, to really get a full grasp of the language. This has been helping me on my journey as a mom too. So I want to tell you guys about this episode we have today because I'm so inspired by this woman. Um, she is extraordinary. Like I told you, she has uh, transformed her life from diagnosis of rare uh, incurable cancer, 20 plus tumors in her body. And she's been living with it for 20 years. Her name is Chris Carr. She is a best-selling author, wellness activist, uh, an icon in the world of holistic health. Chris has an incredible story, like I said, that began with a life-changing diagnosis of a rare and incurable form of stage four cancer over 20 years ago that would have left most people feeling defeated. Instead, she chose to embark on a journey to self-discovery and empowerment that has not only saved her own life, but has inspired countless others to take charge of their health and their happiness. And you guys know that's what I've been trying to do here with Heal Squad and my health journey as well. So Chris and I are kindred spirits in this world. Um, I'm so excited for you guys to hear our conversation that talks about what she dealt with um, in terms of the grief, the anxiety, the fears, um, to how she changed her life and, uh, and even to her latest book about mourning. And that means mourning in all areas of life, not just the mourning that we think, which is just the death of someone close to us. There's a lot of mourning we go through in this journey called life. And she tackles all of it in her new book. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Chris. Your story is pretty unbelievable. And and I was asking Natasha to confirm how many tumors you're currently living with. Because, it, you know, I'm reading another book right now. And one of my favorite lines in the book was, an incurable disease just means they haven't found a pharmaceutical to match it with. And that was from Jill Carnahan, who's going to be on the show soon. Do you know who Jill is? Yeah. And... I found that really inspiring because I've been on a lot of health journeys myself. Yeah. And when you get a diagnosis from the Western world, everything just gets so shaky under your feet and it's so scary. And when you see stories like yours and you read things like what Jill wrote in her book, you're like, wait a second, I don't have to buy into this necessarily. And you've made this your life's work. So tell us a little bit about where, you know, where this all started for you and, and how it kind of transformed you and, and put you on a whole path to helping others with their cancer journeys. Yeah, happily. Um, so I was in a very different career and a very different life, uh, 20 years ago when I was newly diagnosed with cancer and I was diagnosed on Valentine's day with an incurable stage four cancer. And so um, what happened after that was, I think, because there wasn't a cure and there still really isn't, 
I decided to think about what, well, what can I do to help myself feel better? What can I do between the, the doctor's appointments, between the scans, between the fear? And I decided to start researching the best diets and lifestyles for longevity. And that's how this started. I honestly, it wasn't a mission until I got sick and I wanted to participate. What were you doing before, Chris? I was an actor and I was a dancer and I was teaching uh, at NYU. And so, and how old were you when you were diagnosed? I was 31. Wow. When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. (laughs) And that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, For a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus, having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully, our jobs and everything in between. But it's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's frizzy Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiejis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, dot com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, dot com promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. 
As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps a bag stashed in the nursery. you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point, when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. (laughs) Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, They keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Mine is the sweet chili. First of all, I don't know how those numbers add up, but I'm not even going to go there. That's just insane that you look like this, by the way. Um, If that isn't a testament to good eating and focusing on your health, I don't know what is. Forget the magic skincare potions. You've got the magic. Um, so, so you get diagnosed, what were you diagnosed with? So I have a very rare sarcoma, so that affects the soft tissue. So I have tumors in my liver and in both of my lungs. And I also have a disease that is kind of tricky. It's sort of, it's, it affects so few of us that there's still not as much known about it. Um, but so sometimes it can be slow growing, which is what you hope for. And sometimes it can be aggressive and sometimes it can change. So I've been basically monitored for 20 years. And in the beginning, I would be monitored every few months, then six months. Then I remember when I got my, you know, one year, that was such a big anniversary, such a big milestone for me. And now I go and get scanned every five years to just check in on things. And so, and what was that diagnosis? You said that's really rare. It's a sarcoma. It's so you're the sarcoma, but you have another one. It's a type of sarcoma, which is called epithelioid hemangioendothelioma. I wasn't going to attempt it. So thank you. Yeah, it's a rough one. That's why <laughs> I just say it's in the sarcoma family. Got it. And so you decided to figure out how to live in between. Where did that kind of come from? It came from feeling very disempowered and feeling like, you know, there has to be something that I can do to participate in my well-being because it seemed like a waste of my life to just kind of wait. Um, and, you know, my doctor is incredible. We I worked very hard to find him. I think the first part of this journey is really learning how to be your own medical advocate and to treat it like it's a business and you're the CEO of your well-being. So that means you hire, you fire, and you search for your top second in command. And you're willing to replace people if they're not performing. And so that's exactly how I approached it. And um, finally, after a lot of work and research, I found my doctor who I've been with for 20 years now. And he you know, the first person I spoke to suggested a triple organ transplant. And the second doctor gave me 10 years to live And the third gave me very few options, all of which were very radical, but wouldn't do anything. And so he was very different though, because he said, sometimes this can be slow growing. Everything I just said before, it's kind of a mystery. So what we're going to do is watch and wait and let cancer make the first move. And you are going to go off and watch and live. Ooh, that was the, yeah, girl, that was the love that because I didn't know how to do that. And so then I figured out that that's what I had to focus on. Watch and live. 
I've been, it's funny, I feel like we talk about the same things and we subscribe to the same things because when my mom was going through her cancer journey, I interviewed all the doctors and I heard about all the like super popular, amazing ones. Oh my God, you got to go to this one. And I'd go to them and they were fine. And then we had one that was uh, unassuming. And yet he was just mama bear's bed because he was just calm. He was like, you know what? Let's just watch this. Let's not panic. Mm -hmm. Other people were like, surgery, another brain surgery, this crazy drug. Let's add this. Let's have. And he was like, you know, it could be pseudo pseudo progression. It might not be the growth that we think. Let's. It might just be inflammation. So it is really important to find that doctor that can be calm and collaborative because it is a collaboration, like you said, and and we found that and it does take a minute, yeah. um, but you have to look for that. And and so what is your advice for people on on how to find that person? Is it just trial and error from your your standpoint? I think it's research, it's networking, it's um, being willing to travel because unfortunately, especially if you have a rare disease, the best person for your disease may not be in your local area. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important to just cast a wider net. Um, it's also important to bring somebody with you because, you know, oftentimes you're in those rooms and you, it's, it's very traumatizing and there's anxiety and stress hormones coursing through your body. So you don't necessarily always hear what the person is saying to you. Um, so that's, those are just a few tips. And so when you first started and you went off to watch and live, what were some of the first things that you did and how did you, how did you kind of approach it? Did you, did you go all in or did you baby step it? My first step was I went to Whole Foods. I literally left the hospital and went to Whole Foods because I thought, you know what, what I can control is what I put in my mouth. That's it right now. Um, and I desperately wanted to control something. And the truth was, is cancer side, I wasn't feeling that great. So I was living back then on kind of like a fat-free, low-fat, try to keep your figure <laughs> lifestyle. And none of it was centered on actually feeding my body and feeding my spirit and nutrition. And so I, I'll never forget the first day I went into Whole Foods. I was horrified. I didn't know what any of that stuff was. And it all looked gross. You know, but I was like, hey, <laughs> you know, I got to figure this out. So I bought some cookbooks and I took some classes and I started to learn how to cook. And like many of us, when we start to change our diets and move towards, you know, whole foods, plant based, real foods, um, I started to feel better. So that created momentum um, for me. And not long after that, though, I realized that it wasn't just about what I was eating. It was also about addressing what was eating me. And, you know, as somebody living with stage four cancer at the time, and certainly now, although I have a much different um, mindset around it, I realized that I had to kind of make peace with this journey that would potentially be the, for the rest of my life and learn how to manage fear and anxiety. And so I'd say those were the first two steps for me. What were you eating like before? Oh my God, what fast food, burger cancer, yeah. Crap, fake food, power bars, like 
anything that said it didn't have calories, you know what I mean? Because I was auditioning all the time. So it was, you know, it was just garbage. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's so fascinating when you're on the other side and you are eating clean. Like when I look at TV and I see everything that's advertised to us, I'm horrified. And I, and I'm like, oh my God, none of our brains are open to this. We don't see that all of this stuff, we are literally, we might as well be eating the couch and the rug. It's not real. It's shit. It's fake. It's synthetic. And we're eating it. And we think this is like good because they've made it taste good. All right. So I'll put some like spicy sauce on the couch. I don't understand. But Chris, like we don't get it until we have to get it. Yeah. And that's absolutely. That. And because I, I want I people to get it before. I wish we could. I wish it was it was stacked in our favor, but unfortunately it isn't. And I will just say that, you know, the bread and butter of my acting career was TV commercials. So that's what I taught at NYU on camera acting for TV commercials so that uh, our young actors could actually make a living. Um, and but I just booked so many of them. That was sort of I wanted to be have a much bigger career, but I was just really good at advertising. So the crap that you're talking about is the crap I was selling prior to my wake up call. Um, wow. And I think we live in such a different time now, which is very exciting. Um, but we still have to be our own advocates and we still have to question things and we still have to do our own research. But I think the best way to do your research is to really get clear with how you feel and to connect with your body and, you know, connect with how you feel in your current lifestyle. Right. Yeah. So I teach something called the five pillars of wellness and they're about being mindful of optimizing what you're eating, what you're drinking, what you're thinking, and how you're resting and renewing. Um, but the key word there is mindful. It's not about perfection. It's about are we caring for ourselves in these pillars more often than not? Yeah, I love that. I wonder how you managed your fear and anxiety. Because again, you're diagnosed with something incurable. You're told all these very scary things like you need organ transplants and, you know, you're not going to live to see, you know, a certain decade of your life. Um, how did you actively do that? Over time, for sure. It was not an overnight experience. Um, and it's also something that I still manage because I'm still living. And like every human being, if we're alive, we're going to have moments of fear and anxiety. Mm -hmm. You know, fear and anxiety, like everything else, is designed to keep us safe. It's information, nothing more. And so for me, it's about understanding the difference between the two. You know, fear often comes on in a flash. You, a deer jumps out in front of you and you swerve and you feel that flush of cortisol and whatnot. And then you know you're going to have a bit of a like fear hangover afterwards and you maybe do some self soothing practices like breathing and whatnot. And anxiety, usually is prolonged, right? It's ruminating. It's about fear about of something that could happen. Might not happen, but it could happen. And so for me, it, it's very basic stuff, but it's like whenever I'm caught in an anxious loop, I can do a couple of things. First and foremost is just to notice it and say, I'm going to name the story that I'm telling myself right now. And it's probably going to be a funny name. And it's, I'm going to give it maybe the name of like a horror movie or whatnot, just to like bring myself back to reality because more often than not, we're not telling ourselves good stories. Mm -hmm. And then being able to ground myself in the moment saying, okay, in this moment, that's not happening. Talking to my new friend, Maria, that's what's happening right now. So if I can come back to the present, just kind of surrender and say, 
this is now. I, I can easily get caught up in the future or about the things that I did wrong in the past, but neither of those things serve me. So it's it's like developing any other muscle. Mm-hmm. Hey, we have to work out. We have to work it out. It doesn't just magically happen. So true. I have to say your definitions of fear and anxiety just hit me so hard because I've been doing so much work on in the meditation world with Dr. Joe Dispenza and really really focusing on what's coming in. What am I thinking all the time and how do I shift it to what I want rather than what I don't want? And I just love how you just phrased what anxiety is because I'm like, oh, I thought anxiety was when I am really feeling ruffled and, you know, and on edge and all of that. But it's all those kind of thoughts that are coming in. Um, and now I can I can identify it a little better. I really love that. So thank you. You're welcome. And I also love that you took cooking classes. You know, when you have to embark on a new lifestyle, it's so hard. And that's why I always tell people like baby steps. Even with this show, we're learning so many things every day. Grab one thing, apply it. Once that gets comfortable and in your flow and easy, then add the other thing. Don't try to do it all at once. But if you want to be healthier, you have to learn how to cook your own food. You have to learn um a little bit about nutrition because the why is so important why is a cucumber really good for you or why is aloe really good for you why is turmeric really good for you once you understand the why then you're empowered and you know you it, it you understand why you should do it better you know you just say oh it's good for you that's not enough now you know why it's good for you and you have certain things you're trying to fix or help or um, heal. And so, um, was it an, like a in-person course that you went to take? Was it long? What was it like? I'm intense. So I did every certification program under the sun and, um, I started with a class, but then it became, you know, how, how can I be an expert? Because, and I wasn't doing it because I would go on to write seven books. I was doing it because I very much like you, if I could understand why, then I felt as though that would be a lot of motivation to keep me going. Mm -hmm. But at the time I was also driven by fear. So to your point, you know, I've been doing this for 20 years now and teaching for 20 years. And I couldn't agree with you more. I think it's so important what you say. And so few people actually say it and, and, and model it, which is the idea of baby steps, because especially since we live in a society that's very black and white, um, and you're either a winner or you're a loser, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's so important for us to not give up. So how do we not give up? Well, first and foremost, we lower the bar. And we realize that when we're focused on perfection, when we feel as though we're feeling the anxiety that we have to get it right or something bad will happen, we're actually doing something that's very counterproductive to our well-being. So Um, every single one of us can participate and can take one step. If we dive in, some of us are wired to dive in fully and go, and that's great. But I would say the vast majority of us, what will happen is we'll start to lose our our motivation and we'll start to be really tough on ourselves because we're going to have setbacks. That's part of every single health journey. It's part of our journey as human beings. And so one of my mantras in my community is turtle power. Ah! Uh, so it's, it's in alignment with you, Maria. Turtle power. That's great. Um, yeah. How do we get past perfection? 
You know, I think you sound like you were maybe a perfectionist as well. I don't know. I might be assuming, but somebody who goes all in like that. Um, How do we get past perfection? Have you gotten past it? Have you found ways to get better about it? Such a good question. I have found ways to get better about it. I think that I, everything I teach is something that I have experienced myself. Um, And so just being able to stay in that awareness, you mentioned meditation, obviously you're doing a lot of work with your mind and your body and, and really most of all, underneath that all is stress management. And so when I am more aware and more in tune and more connected to how I'm feeling, I can easily say that this behavior does not support my highest good, right? And so when I find myself getting very rigid and stuck and um, perfectionistic, then I can feel the shift in my body. I can feel tension. I can feel anxiety. I can feel discomfort. I can feel pain. And that to me is not a feeling that I want to consciously choose on this wellness journey. And so when it happens, we don't beat ourselves up. Again, we're wired this way, but we can say, oh, lower the bar, take it down a notch. This is not serving you. You know what I mean? Good enough is good enough. I I have to say that all the time with, you know, even at work, because sometimes I'll raise the bar so high. And even if I hit that standard, who's going to (laughs) notice? Freaking notice three drafts ago. And now you think you've made it better. You've actually just made yourself more constipated. Yeah, I know. Kevin always says, my husband, he's like, Maria, you got to get good with a B plus. He's like, stop always needing the A or the A plus. You can be okay with a B plus. No one's going to notice. And so, but it is hard for us because I think, I, I think part of it, and I wonder what you think might be, you know, as women, we've taken on so much. We're now, you know, providers, we're caretakers, we're, you know, we have to be perfect. Of course, our hair has to be colored, our nails have to be done. We have so much shit to do as a woman. Um, Thank you, Barbie movie, for having that nice little uh, soliloquy or whatever you want to call what America Ferreira said in that. But we have to do so much. And I think that lends itself to us needing to control more because we're you know, we're our rivets are about to pop because we're trying to do too much and controlling is the only thing we can go to to try to maybe soothe. So uh, one of the things that I've been saying lately is, especially for this fall season, is let's kind of write everything down that we do. Mm-hmm. And what can we take away so that this next part of this year, we can actually enjoy it. We can enjoy the holidays and the fall and all of that. Let's unwind and take something out of this equation. If it's a job, we can farm out to somebody or we can ask somebody for help for a month or something because it's a lot. I love that you said that. I think that that's it because something's got to give or you will give. Yeah. Right. It's just physics. (laughs) And I mean, I don't even know much about physics to know that it is. Um, I think control is also a trauma response. And so, you know, trauma as our friend, Dr. Gabor Mate defines is not something that happened to you. It's, it's something that happened inside of you. And when we feel triggered, um, either by past traumas or by a diagnosis or by, you know, the stress du jour in our lives, we naturally want to control things more. Because I think that the whole 
journey of being human is learning how to deal with uncertainty. And there's nothing more uncertain than understanding that life is temporary. And even though that might not be in our ever waking conscious um, awareness, it's at a deep cellular level. And so when we feel the stressors, stressors of daily life, um, it is our opportunity to take a step back and to take stock. Um, and as you so beautifully said, you know, pruning, because something has to give or it will be you sooner than your time. And that's not what any of us want. Yeah, I watch, man, I've watched so many like cousins just keep suffering. It's like, you know, the skin's rashing and everything's coming unglued and they aren't unwinding. They aren't taking anything off. They are actually sometimes people are waiting for the diagnosis for the excuse to take care of themselves we don't feel like we're worthy of unwinding or or loving ourselves and 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 it's really sad because the truth is at the end of the day no one's really coming to your rescue but you and you won't know it until it happens it happened to you it's happened to me we're the ones that have to rescue ourselves out of these situations. Santa's not coming and, you know, bringing us our health present. We have to fix our health and find our health again. I think that that is so powerful what you said. And it's so true. And I know that there have been times in my life, quite honestly, where, I mean, you'll, I think you'll understand this, where I did remember times when I thought, well, you know what, if I get sick, then things will change. This was prior to my diagnosis. And there have been times in the 20 years when it's usually around my career in big stressful moments or decisions, or sometimes it's just the flood that happens when you're in the a time of success. And I didn't necessarily have all the skills or the tools to navigate some of those pressures. And I have honestly had daydreams in the past about, well, if, get, if things get worse, then I'll be able to slow down. And when I ever say that to myself, which I've probably said that twice in 20 years, everything stops because that's like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize what crisis I was in mm -hmm. until I uttered those words. So we can wake up and go back to sleep. And that's not also normal and nothing to be difficult on yourself about. It's just to say, oh, here I am. Let's change this. Yeah. Well, we have to. Um, that's a whole other signal is, is if you are thinking that getting sick is going to be the out, now you already have so much more work to do. Let's, let's catch it way ahead. Um, I wonder, do you have a theory or an opinion on why you got these cancers and these tumors? No, I think I looked for things like that in the past, but now I think those things are sort of useless. Um, so no, I don't look for those things because there's certain things that we can never answer. And I think that there are times that we can get the information and sometimes that information can be very helpful. And there are a lot of times we will get no information and then we will start to make assumptions and then we will start to blame this, that, and the other thing, including ourselves. And a, why did I get sick? It's never a question that I ask. It's what am I going to do now? 
to support my mind, to support my body, to support my spirit. Um, I don't believe in, um, I don't believe that this is a gift. I do think that there have been some blessings in it. I didn't choose it. It didn't happen for a reason. These are all my beliefs um, because I think that those are very hollow platitudes that can actually do more harm than good for patients. If somebody feels that, that those are helpful and beneficial to them, by no means do I discourage that. But I think that more often than not, in my 20 years of experiencing this with a lot of patients, I have to be thoughtful about the meaning we attach to things. Mm. Yeah, I always said the brain tumor was a gift because it rerouted me. It shook me. I would have never changed my life. Um, and, you know, some dogs are hard to put down. Is that the saying? I hate that saying, but you know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so rough on that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, as a dog lover, as it was coming out of my mouth, I'm like, I don't ever say this. Why am I saying this? Um, <laughs> but uh, and and I have found all the silver linings and everything that's happened to me and and have said, well, if that didn't happen, then this wouldn't happen. And so I'm just going to be grateful for everything and the journey. But I love what you're saying as a distinction because everyone's journey is going to be different and not everyone has to subscribe to that mentality. Not everyone has to feel that. And certainly you don't need to be advising patients to look at it like that. Maybe it's probably like, let's find the silver lining in and what this journey is going to do for you. Because for example, being diagnosed with type 1 diabetes last summer, I was devastated, like on the floor. The brain tumor was nothing compared to this. And I realize how massive that diagnosis was to my health because it really forced me to go the final stretch and clean out my diet absolutely 100% all the way. Had that not come, I would have stayed at 80 20. 80 good, 20 rough, and my overall health wouldn't be where it is today. And so um, I have found the blessings in all of these things, but I, I like your distinction. How, yeah. many, how many tumors? Let me just hop on that one more yeah. time, though, because I think that I love, I'm very much like you, where I have absolutely found silver linings and I'm, I'm very grateful for them. I wouldn't have the life that I have today. I would not have a lot of the joy that I have today, the relationship my husband and I met during this journey. And so there's been so many blessings and such silver linings. Um, and so we're in complete alignment there. I think that the, the point that I want to make sure that gets across to other people with um, diagnoses is that you don't ever blame yourself. Mm. Yeah. I've definitely done that at times. Have you? Oh, have I? Yeah. <laughs> 100%. Um, how many tumors are you living with right now? Probably around 24. 24. And how long did it take you to not think about it all the time? <laughs> a decade. Wow. Yeah, a decade. So I remember the day that I decided I had to change the way I was approaching it mentally, which was I was at my 10-year mark. And again, I was given 10 years. And I'm at my 10-year mark and I'm feeling a lot of extra anxiety because of it. 
and I go to the oncologist. And at this point, I was very deep in integrative functional alternative. I've been around long enough that it didn't have any of those names um, on this path, alternative actually more so. And I had been doing all these things to try to cure myself because I thought I couldn't keep living and planning for my future unless it was gone and I was in remission. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and certainly you've done so much work, you probably had hoped that they disappeared. I did. Yeah, 100%. And I've done a lot of extreme work too, you know, so um, very extreme treatments, holistic treatments and whatnot. Um, anyway, long story short, I got there and everything was fine, but I still had cancer. And everybody was so excited that I was doing so well. But me, (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh, this is such bad news. And on the drive home, I I literally said to myself, I quit. Mm. I give up. And I wasn't giving up on me. I was giving up on the quest for perfection, for the perfect medical report for some idealization or idealized version of health that actually may or may not be what I will ever experience. Because I said to myself, like, what if you live until your deep 90s and you kept putting off your life or, you know, working so hard on your health for the next scan only to be disappointed? What a waste. And that's when it all changed. That's literally when I started to stop I mean, I had to do more work. It wasn't overnight, but I made the choice. It was a clear intention. This is bullshit. I am not, I can't do this the way I've been doing it. Wow. What did you do from that moment on? I mean, first of all, saying I quit was a very big um, statement. I quit trying to cure myself. And that's when in my new book, I write about this, the difference between healing and curing. So curing may or may not happen, right? It may all go away and somebody might give you a ribbon or a stamp of approval or ring a bell for you. Like, that's cool if it does. Yay. I can't wait to go to that celebration. And I truly mean that, but it might not happen either. And so curing is possible, right? It's not definite, but healing Every single one of us have the ability to heal. We are, can be healing up until the moment we're passing into whatever is next. I love that because I've had those moments as somebody who's all in on their health and I'm doing all the things and I'm like, okay, the next scan, we're going to get this or the, you know, the next blood work, we're going to get that. And, and I, I love the idea of we're kind of creating what we think is supposed to be our healthiest version, but maybe this is our healthiest version. Maybe those things don't just disappear. Maybe we live with them. We're all friends. It's all good. You know, doesn't mean that we have to quit our healthy regimen and say, fuck it, I'm going to go back to eating McDonald's. Um, But I understand like it can be um, disenchanting sometimes when you're not seeing those results specifically. And and I love hearing your your experience with it because there's so many people that are dealing with lot. You know, I have a another person I had on the show that was at a Dr. Joe meditation event with me, and she's got like 30 tumors, and she's doing all the things, and she's still living a fabulous life. She's out in Hawaii doing her yoga and 
And just because we're all doing these things and you're not seeing us totally cured doesn't mean that it's all for nothing. Because sometimes I feel guilty that I'm like telling everyone to do all these things and whatever. And then they see me having pancreas cancer and then I have to have surgery. And I'm like, people must think that I am just so fragile and just a sick person, but I'm not. I'm super vibrant. Just weird shit's happened (laughs) and we just roll with it. Yeah. You're so vibrant and so, so spot on in, in your thinking here because everybody's journey is different. And I think that that can sometimes be the, the, um, the sort of downside or dark side of some of our wellness leaders today. Um, and I think we have to be very mindful about that and thoughtful about who we spend time with and the people who want you to do something so that it's gone and and if you feel as though, you know, you're getting some resistance or judgment or maybe you're not doing it well enough or hard enough or good enough unless it is, that's not your teacher. Actually, that's a person that needs you to be their teacher. Ooh. Because they don't get it. I remember this one doctor, this alternative practitioner was very well known at the time, and I won't say his name, who a friend of mine was at a lecture of his and he brought me up as a as a, a um example of somebody who uh didn't get cured because I didn't try hard enough and that is one of those moments where you know back then i remember feeling so hurt and angry and sad and and whatnot then i realized oh he needs to be my student i understand wow yeah, it, it can be a mind, oh, excuse me, guys, when you're living with a tumor or tumors and and it can be scary, but that's why I was so excited to talk to you because, you know, we learn the most, I think, from people who are going through the shit and figuring it out. And you are living a vibrant life despite all of these things. And and you're helping other people do things do that too. Okay, guys, we're going to take a quick break. Actually, we're going to take a long break because I want you guys to just sit with what you just learned from Chris and her journey and then come back tomorrow for part two, where we talk about mourning and mourning in the different areas. Natasha, um, I don't know what you thought about mourning before this conversation, but did it kind of open your mind up a little bit to the other areas of mourning? Yeah, I didn't really think about mourning in the other, like other things. And she started using all of these examples and I'm like, oh yeah, those things have happened to me too. It's not only the death of somebody. Yeah. What, what struck up, struck, stuck out to you? Um, like when she was just, even she was saying like, you know, a job transition, a divorce, a um, there were a couple others I can't remember offhand now I wrote them down but she was just like those are mornings too because you're mourning that part of your life I mean even in even with you and your health mm-hmm. like you've gone through so many changes like transformation from within you there is there's a mourning that happens because there's that person that was before that's no longer here mm-hmm. yeah I'm mourning the loss of my spleen <laughs> I actually am because I'm like, am I more prone now to infections? Every time something happens, I'm like, is it because I don't have a spleen? I'm kidding. 
I, I'm not kidding, but I am kidding. Um, but yeah, mourning comes in so many different forms and it can be a lost, a lost job. It could be a loss of identity because you're not, you know, when I lost my mom, I was mourning the loss of being her caretaker. There's so many different forms of mourning and there's anticipatory mourning. So you'll learn all about that in the episode that drops tomorrow. In the meantime, be nice people, make good choices and be present. This podcast and all related content published or distributed by or on behalf of Maria Menunos or mariamenunos.com is for informational purposes only and may include information that is general in nature and that is not specific to you. Any information or opinions expressed or contained herein are not intended to serve as or replace medical advice, nor to diagnose, prescribe, or treat any disease, condition, illness, or injury, and you should consult the healthcare professional of your choice regarding all matters concerning your health, including before beginning any exercise, weight loss, or healthcare program. If you have or suspect you may have a healthcare emergency, please contact a qualified healthcare professional for treatment. Any information or opinions provided by a guest expert or host featured within website or on company's podcast are their own, not those of Maria Menounos or the company. Accordingly, Maria Menounos and the company cannot be responsible for any results or consequences or actions you may take based on information or opinions.